Welcome back to another episode of The Coach's Corner. And if, if you're even like mildly, like a little twinge interested in sales and marketing, if you've ever typed into Facebook or into Google like marketing or sales, then I can almost guarantee you you've seen a very well-placed ad somewhere on your feed at some point from this gentleman and their company. And they are the kings. Like you guys are masters of cold, cold traffic, and your targeting and your messaging and your ads always. I've been seeing them for a few years now. Welcome to the show, Taylor Welch. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, dude. So, so as I understand, you are the CEO and the co-founder. You started it with your buddy there, uh, Traffic and Funnels. Yep, Chris Evans. He's out in Charlotte, and we have a small headquarters in Charlotte and a big headquarters in Nashville. Yeah, I saw some so. some of the ads uh, maybe like a few months ago showed a lot of the uh, you got some of your staff involved in your ads and a little bit of comedy involved in some of the ads there. I got right before we get into it, I got two things to get off my chest and I, I hate that I even have to do this. But the first thing I, I have to say for anyone who's just like, OK, well, I, I don't I've never heard of them. You guys do a million dollars a month plus, correct? Just uh, for TF, yeah ish and no big deal just a million bucks a month no big deal but just just to at least give a little bit of tangible proof that you know what you're talking about at least at some capacity what you're doing is working and it's working really well Uh, you can't make a million dollars a month by accident maybe you can but i've never seen anyone do it by accident not consistently not consistently there you go yeah yeah and then there's a second thing and i got to get this off my chest i was watching i spent three hours this morning just watching past interviews and just trying to get a a feel and a vibe and, and dive even deeper. I learned so much just for myself and my own business, but there was also a interview you were on maybe a year ago. We're in Canada up here and, and it was a Canadian on the show. And you said something along the lines of like, you're definitely the coolest guy in Canada. But then you went on, there was like one or two little things of like, I just felt like, like Canada's getting on the map, dude. Like we got some brilliant marketers and some brilliant people coming <laughs> over to Canada. I got to get that off my chest. Cause I, I, I actually got mildly offended i think canadians I, we're all pretty awesome we're doing pretty good up here yeah yeah I'll, we went to banff so uh beautiful. five four or five years ago i grew up skiing yeah. my family we would go to colorado and we went to uh utah once and so i'm kind of a ski snob and we went to banff and i was like the united states sucks basically <laughs> comparatively we went to sunshine mountain yeah um it was the best skiing in my life and we went to a uh he actually went back down to Calgary, went to a Flames game. I remember walking headlong into somebody because I wasn't paying attention. And they apologized to me. And I was like, mm. I kind of like it here. Mm-hmm. I could get used to this, you know. Uh, just get mugged in the U.S. for walking into somebody. But, you yeah, know, yeah. it was very nice, polite, friendly. <laughs> I, okay, I love okay. Canadians. All we're right. Good. Okay. Okay. Good. We're, we're good. We're good. No, um, that, that plays in our favor. But then also I think sometimes what I love about Americans, because I'm down there a lot, is they're bold what they believe and they speak their mind. And there's a lot of power to that as well. We can be absolutely way too passive. That was actually like a, a generational type of cultural curse I had to break of like, you got to ask for what you want and you don't always have to be sorry. I used to say sorry in every sentence. And so I guess there's some pros and cons, but uh, Banff, there's that one Instagrammable lake with that log. Did you go there? Like everyone goes there to get that Instagram uh, photo. Lake Louise. That's right. What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Keep All right. going. I'm going to turn a light off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For exactly sure. Exactly what you're talking about. Cool, cool. Good, good, good. So the, the first thing that really stood out to me, Taylor, was like this insane ability for you to 
think big. Now, I see some people who grew up in wealth, and they're just used to a million bucks. They're, they're used to flying private, and that's just their standard. I don't think many yeah. of us grow up from there, and so the, we, we kind of have a ceiling or a limit as to what we think is possible. And, you know, we might think 10000 and then you went from 10000 a month to 100000 a month to a million dollars a month. And I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that at, like, $500,000 a month, there is no need to keep growing uh, apart from the money. You're obviously not doing this just for money. And so the first thing I wanted to ask was, what is this driver? What's the reason you keep pushing? You got into real estate. You started a real estate company there. I know you guys are looking for 2,000 properties. I might be off on that by in the next two years. Like You have these really aggressive expansion plans, and you're obviously addicted to growth, trying to find your potential, your limit. What's, what's driving you and, and, and your team behind just making money, which is kind of a boring thing to do. The, the first thing I would say is it's not all my drive. Um, I do have drive. I do feel motivated to do big things and to, and to accumulate big things and also to make impact because there's a lot of people that you can help when you have resources. Um, and there's a, there's a price to not having resources when it comes to contribution. But me and Chris have assembled people on our team who are driven as well. There's a cumulative effect. There's a compound effect. And when you look at what TF has done and TF is still growing, then you look at the three, four other businesses in our portfolio. Um, all of them do over a million a month at this point. And that is not because I have the drive. It's, it's because the people that we're building, they have their own drives. And it's amazing what happens when... I tell people that when we first started delegating, we would delegate to-dos. We would delegate activities and delegate work. Uh, but when we learned how to delegate decisions and really take a person, a player on the team, and say, uh, where do you want to go and how can I help you achieve it? Uh, it's amazing what happens when you come back six months later and it's like, oh, you've tripled this business and I wasn't even a part of it. So not all of that drive can be attributed to my own personal motivation. Yeah. Um However, I think that it is a lot of fun when you're able to say six months ago we were we were in a different place and then six months from now we'll look back at now and and we'll be amazed at how far we've come and so yeah. there is something addicting to growth and there is something addicting to not staying put for too long um, but yeah so and 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 why like if, if we're talking like you, you said you have four or five companies in your portfolio they're all doing or they're roughly doing close to or over a million dollars a month I don't want to put words in your mouth but that's what I understood and when I when I think about that I'm like okay like sure like maybe 15 20 years this guy's been building this this massive company this is not this is in a fairly short period of time like we're talking four or five years am I off on that four or five years or less yeah for some of them and so that, yeah. that's why I'm so like, I'm always trying to listen to someone who just sees in my mind kind of exponential, really quick results in a short period of time, trying to figure out what those little key things are. And I think the first one we uncovered during this conversation is, is leverage and aligning a team so you can take your battery and kind of align a ton of other batteries to make way more power than you ever could yourself. 100%. I think Sweet. another thing would be, would be the lack of fear. What's keeping people from moving up and what's keeping them from doing what's necessary to achieve great things and to do more and to be more? I think stagnation in large part is uh, we, we, we have a couple hundred thousand clients. So this is not just my 
my experience, this is me coaching and seeing this in the market and in people yeah. is people have so much fear and they have so much insecurity that you can have a person right before, like they're on the precipice, they're about to crush it. They are right before, but they're so afraid of, you know, this and that, and you add the weight on that and it's like, it becomes crushing and then they become stagnant and they just stay still. How do you work someone through, because I also have experience with that, it breaks my heart because as a coach, I care so much and I'm like, every resource right. is available to you. It's right in front of you. We can see the path, but you didn't do what you're supposed to do. And of course, there's conscious, subconscious. We can start going as deep as, as, as even you want with this, but maybe on a more surfacey level where someone's feeling that fear and they got chased by the, the grizzly, but instead of just grazing five minutes after, they're still holding on to that emotional fear and they're, 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 they're just, it, it, it logically doesn't make sense. How would you work one of your clients through tapping into their greatness? Because I'm sure you weren't born this way. You had to figure this out as well. At some point, you were probably fearful of starting a business, or maybe you weren't, but I, I know I was. I feel like most of the people who have the most fear are the ones that um, their life has actually been a little bit easier. So mm. I got lucky in that I got beat up pretty early on. I wasn't born this way. Um, but me and Chris have both been through our individual crises and trauma, trauma seasons. But I would say like for somebody right now who's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is right. This is me. I'm kind of afraid is you need to look at what what's the worst that can happen. Go ahead and play it out. Most of the time it's like, well, the, the worst that could happen is I can get an ad account shut down. And it's like, OK, <laughs> mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about divorce or your child dying like we're not talking about that we're talking about something so juvenile but yet because we don't process it it stays in our subconscious and that's where it's dangerous yeah Uh, because in that subconscious we don't get to actually attach weight to it it just is all consuming but you can bring it up in the forefront you're like you know what if i try this and it does not work what happens is i have to buy the new car three months later than what i thought it's like what are you doing just go do it it's not that big of a deal this dealing with it that way oftentimes helps. I, I think Tim Ferriss has a strategy called it's just called fear casting, I think is what he calls it. Yeah. Kind of the same thing, you know. Yeah, with that surf story. That's that that one accountant or lawyer that started a surf school and now he has lawyers coming down being like, I wish I could do what you do and he's like, dude, you can do what I do. Like it you just yeah. gotta step into it. And it's why I love like if if you're listening, it's why like Taylor, I mean, it's just like, yeah, I started four or five companies. They're all doing a million dollars a month. Like, we know what we know. We know what we don't know. And we don't know what we don't know. And I remember the first time I was in a mastermind and someone showed me what a million dollars cash looked like in their company account. I was like, I never saw more than 10 bucks. I was like, I I didn't even know that was possible. I thought that was Hollywood. And so just always trying to find evidence to prove all of your limiting sort of bullshit wrong. And, And you're such a prime example of it. Just studying you for two, three hours this morning, I was all fired up to be like, damn, I thought I was doing good. But I'm Amazing. like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a little, a little guy. So I'm, I'm always interested in this question too, because most marketers that I talk to, they didn't just wake up and were like, I'm going to start a marketing agency or a company. A series of events must have happened. For the most part, I, some people were just like, I want to do sales and marketing, but I know I never wanted to get into it either. It was just a series of events that led me into it. And then I understood the power of, of what a great piece of copy can do for you or what a, even a simple VSL can do for you. How did you get into it or were you like, yeah, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to teach people to sell and market and build funnels and this, this no, kind of no. boring stuff. I, my wife is a hairstylist. We got married and 
after about six months of us being married, she made the comment of, you know, she would like to have more clients. So I was just like, I, I kind of am a self-starter, a self-learner. I was, I transitioned off of staff at a church and I got into real estate, which is where my real estate experience comes from. Was uh, This was 2012, 2012, 2013-ish. So anyways, I picked up a book on marketing and read it on a family vacation. Do you remember what book that was? I know you mentioned it in, you mentioned you picked up a book yeah. and I never got the name of it on that interview, but do you, do you remember the name of the book? It was John Carlton's The Entrepreneur's Guide to Getting Your Shit Together. Okay. Um, and it was, it turns out it was about copywriting. I actually didn't know what copywriting was. Right. Uh, so I, I learned all about copywriting reading that book. And when we got back to Memphis, we lived in Memphis at the time, we went to the beach, got back, I'd read the book. I went online and I bought some Todd Brown material. I upgraded some more John Carlton material. And then we we signed up for this um, this monthly training which taught how to basically send direct mail to get beauty pay, uh, clients, like how to get salon clients. And anyways, I downloaded this template. I updated a little bit of it because I, just for her information, and we bought, I think 300 names. This is all within a span of about 10 days. And this is in 2012? And by this point, it was Ish. probably 2013. 13, um, I think the vacation was actually in 2013 as well. So my timelines all get mixed up. Yeah, me too. Um, anyways, we sent this thing out and she got like three or four clients from that. That was the start for me. And my goal at the time was, you know what? I'm going to revise the story again because I think this was actually 2014. Okay. 2014, because it was about six months before I quit my job. This was 2014. Okay. Um, got two or three clients, and I, I had this thought. I was like, if I can get her enough clients, I need to replace about three grand a month at my job with real estate. If I can get up to three grand a month in surplus from her, I'll just quit my job and work at home. <laughs> you know, do nothing. Right. Do whatever. That was kind of the start uh, it's a good of my it's journey. It's a good plan, yeah. That was the, you asked me about drive. It's like, that was my drive back then. Yeah. I'm going to be a stay at home dad and my wife can pay the bills. Love it. Love the honesty. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. So you saw something working for her and then obviously you're a self-starter, self-learner. It sounds like, um, that led you into, could I do this for other people? Other people. Yeah. Yeah. Other people. It's like, I, the, the mantra that you have to, if you didn't grow up at six years old selling lemonade, yeah. then you don't have the entrepreneurial gene. It's silly. Because, yeah. dude, I did not even have a clue. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. I didn't know what copywriting was or marketing. But when I learned it, I had a spark. And I followed it. And you look at us today, it's like nobody would have assumed that I had not wanted to always be an entrepreneur. Yes. But, dude, literally I had no clue. It's 2014. And That's six years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. I love that because, again, all the stories that were – indoctrinated by or or maybe that's the wrong word but all the stories we're bombarded by is the selling wine from an early age or flipping this company or yeah. selling the lemonade or or hustling bikes and and you know in in elementary or school and there's a whole slew of people who've been on this podcast who like i worked on the oil race till i was 25 and then was like this sucks like i can't keep doing this i let me figure this thing out and i, I just love fitness so i was like maybe i can teach people about fitness and that sparked that that entrepreneurial thing and there's a lot of people who've done incredible things and they started when they were well i'm sure there's people who start when they're 60 and so i just i just hope that one of our stories that playing in our heads that 
we weren't selling lemonade or we don't have it is, I think, a really big lie. That's a bit of a disservice. It sounds sexy. Like, it's, if I had that story, I'd use it as well. I was slinging lemonade, but I don't. And you don't have to. And obviously, uh, there's a guy who's on this podcast who's doing $5 million in revenue across multiple companies who didn't either. He wanted to stay home yep. and chill while his, his wife worked. That's right. That's how That's the backup plan, I'm guessing. That's how driven I was. So yeah. funny. Um, so, so looking back now five companies later, but if we hone in on the sales and the marketing, a lot of people listening, they've got this gift, this knowledge, this skill. They're really good at what they do. They're intuitive. They're, they, they know that they can solve people's problems. They've done it themselves. They've even worked with a few clients, but they have this weird relationship with marketing. They think it's kind of slimy, salesy. They, they resist it. I know I did for a long time too. Like I resisted it. If I just get really good at what I do, people will come. Or if I get really good at what I do, a book deal will come or someone will invite me on their podcast or blog. And I really refused to do any marketing until I had to sell my apartment and then really try to, like, I need to make money. Now I need to make money. And I cracked open uh, the 10X by Grant Cardone, which is like my first touch of like, oh, this guy knows how to market. Like, he's a great marketer. And that led me down the path. So if you are in front of someone who is like a little resistant to marketing, but they're they're great at what they, they know they have a service that they can provide. How would you communicate or word it? Because I don't think it has to be as complicated as people make it to seem. I'm sure if you're running a team in a huge company, but you got four clients from one direct mail piece back in 2014. Like, is it that complicated as people make it to seem? Or can you simplify, pick one or two vehicles and just hone in your skills on just one or two vehicles for, for getting clients? Yeah, no, you can simplify it down to whatever you want. You can simplify it down to one thing. Um, if that one thing works and if you're consistent with it. I also think that it's important to be self-aware enough to understand what's happening to your brain when you are pushing back against marketing or pushing back against sales. I think we all know people who have uh, mishandled different things, different skill sets. You know, We know people who have driven drunk and therefore they've created catastrophes. That does not mean that we should not drive or we should not have automobiles. It just means that you should do it different. And I think a lot of that, what you're talking about, actually comes from observing people misusing the skill, misusing marketing. Uh, even Grant, to an extent, it's like, mm-hmm. man, some people probably look at him and are like, dude, if that's what marketing is, I do not want to be that. Mm-hmm. You look at down here in the United States, we're in like, I don't know when this releases, but we're in like Donald Trump land uh, here in the US. And some people are just like, good God, like if that, if he's a great marketer, I don't want to be that. But yeah. Just because somebody exemplifies a skill set a certain way doesn't mean that that has to be the way you do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's important to delineate between uh, marketing is bad <laughs> versus this person was bad and they use marketing to do bad things. You know. Well, what's your guys' philosophy when it comes to, obviously, I think the bigger scope of things is, is you guys are amazing at running traffic into offers and converting, but... Apart from from the tactics, what what do you feel is your if you if you could hold it down into a philosophy? Because uh, you guys, I, I feel like your guys' marketing is really, and I love it. It's why I resonate with it. Is honest, genuine. You guys test, but it's not. It's just real, and I think that's probably your guys' one little clue to success as well is keeping it really real. But because you see these guys rise, like you'll see a guy like Grant, and and I love the guy. He was on the podcast, and I love his energy and his enthusiasm. But you see people rise too massive success but if it's done in the wrong way the pattern oftentimes repeats itself of the fall is just as quick as the rise especially if you misuse your powers of like trump 
marketing type stuff. You can get it. I don't know yeah. if it's like the ego gets inflated. What happens at some point? You guys have kept under control, and, and I, I think you guys are doing a beautiful job of it. What's your philosophy? And by, I'm not saying that that Grant has risen the wrong way, yeah. but yeah. Um, he just comes to mind because his marketing is so eccentric. And uh, say one thing about Grant, but it's very hard to ignore him if he gets on your newsfeed, which is why he is the way he is. And it obviously he's building great businesses because of it. But yeah. me and Chris, like we kind of started the with the anti-guru. Um, you know, 2015, everything was dominated by Ty Lopez. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Russ Rufino and like, it was just like these perfect ads with perfect speech and everything was perfect. And me and Chris were the guys who came in and we would shoot an ad and it would be like, yeah, we don't really, we're not going to make this perfect. You know, check out my house. Oh wait, that's not my house. I'm going to get arrested. You know, like just being just, yeah. just kind of silly and not professional. And, and the reason for that is because in in marketing specifically when the direction or the current is going one way oftentimes you can make a name for yourself just by going the opposite way and so we started kind of zigging that way with advertising and it worked and it kind of became our thing as we as we've grown of like just authentic and like now the team is very production focused so you've seen the latest ads and they're funny and it's like they're trying to be funny and goofy and they're producing it but at the same time, you can tell that we're not pretending to be something that we're not. And that is really the defining ethos. Like people come to expect from us now. We're going to kind of be just what you see is what you get. And sometimes it's going to be funny. And if it's not funny, we're just going to leave it raw and we're not going to overproduce. And that's kind of maybe not a specific answer to your question. But the philosophy that drives everything is really a see through what you see is what you get cool. feeling. Not the larger you know? than life. So it's kind of like uh, uh, I've gone to some masterminds or some places where it's, it's the it's the guru. Then you get there and they're eating a sandwich and they're five minutes late. And you're kind of like, damn, like they're, the, the image that they're producing is not the uh. like they're like. So I can understand why that is working. And also, I think because so far I have a list of your the things I'm really trying to learn from you and anyone listening could learn. But you, you talked about the leverage and aligning yourself with people who have a bigger uh, extremely driven so you can stack up your batteries. Then you had the element of fear and the subconscious and bringing it to the forefront. Then I think you, you mentioned whether we're talking zigzagging, like you mentioned, or the purple cow idea, but what's everyone doing and how can I do something different? And when this topic comes up, the first thing I'll hear is, but everyone's, everything's already been done. Like every movie, every book, everything's been done. That's people's excuse or that's what people say. But is there still opportunities for people to say, okay, that's everyone's zagging this way or zigging this way. I'm going to go this way. Where, is there still an opportunity or is this place so saturated when it comes to ad placement and, and media buying? Where, where's the opportunity for people right now if they want to zig? There's, I mean, there's always an opportunity. There's, there's never, there's never going to be such a crowded space that things don't work anymore. That said, there are uh, oceans that are less crowded than others. Um, in, re in regards to advertising, I don't know because I don't do that anymore. Uh, I pay people a lot of money to do that for us. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually not sure. But I think there will always be a space for, uh, as, as, as we digitize more and more, what we're going to have to be careful and cognizant of is there is always a space carved out for human connection. And sometimes 
what we miss due to the social media nature of life, what we miss is even someone on video being honest, even someone on video saying, hey, what you think you have to do to achieve X, Y, Z, I'm going to be honest, that's not what I did. And I want to give you, you can feel that transparency across the screen. So I don't think there's ever going to be a, a day and age when the authenticity does not actually work. I think we'll be creative in finding new ways to express that. Uh, but there's always an opportunity right now for, for connection. You know, People are always surprised when they hear me speak in person or whatever. They're like, you talk about things that no one else really wants to talk about and it's because i have nothing to hide there's no fear so let's full circle everything back to the second step is like you have these people who the reason they're projecting this image that is not real is likely because they have they feel they have things to hide that if got out or if they showed up this way people would not accept them that's insecurity and it's fear when you can beat that it opens up this cap space for you to just be who you are and sometimes things are not going to work that doesn't mean you're bad it just means that what you tried didn't work. I love you that. Know? I love it. So I think I'm going to sum up that third thing just so it's easy to digest is authenticity, although I feel like that's a, a word used online that, that is sort of blown out of proportion. But like you, you are so damn unique. I remember as an actor because I was studying why celebrities got celebrity status and they they became more and more okay just being them and then they find their thing. And it's not that it was manufactured because you can't manufacture that for 30 years. At some point, people are going to find out you're lying, but they found their thing, whether it's Johnny Depp's rings or, or, or whatever that is. Everyone kind of finds their thing, whether that's an expression through fashion or their language or their weird little, you know, Pierce Brosnan, James Bond, suave. But they find their thing and then they leverage that to its max potential and, and become top stars. And we love them for it. Because it's, it's, they're, they're genuine. It's, it's part of them. So I think that's your third sort of secret sauce. You, prob- you can probably, if, in a word, just sum it up with identity. Because when a person's identity is sound, that exudes authenticity. It cool. exudes confidence, lack of fear, lack of, you know, all of those things. Like when an identity is, health, is healthy, the soil is healthy and things can grow. I love that's that. what you're talking about is yeah. when people get more and more comfortable. Really what you're seeing is their identity cements they no longer feel like they have to cover it up with cool. anything. Totes, totes. I love that. I love that. I love that. I've, I've seen you say oftentimes, and I resonated with this so much, because to me at some point, the pain, the emotional pain of trying to win because I didn't see things as a game was I couldn't, I couldn't bear it anymore. It was like I, I was just way too serious all the time. And then I started at some level. I don't know if I heard this somewhere, but I was like, wait, this is a game. And let me see it as a game. And I'll lose and I'll win. But as long as I don't eject the game, I don't know who explained this to me. I'm, I, won't, I won't fail. I'll just lose and have to restart Mario Kart. And it changed everything for me when I saw it as a game. It became a lot of fun to put the pieces together and try to figure it out. And I've, I've seen you mention that a lot of the times on interviews or, or just in some write-ups I saw. Do, do, is that true? Like, do you see things as a game? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I also... Um, I think that you could also sub out game with like experiment, you know, um, it just maybe depends on, that's my, maybe a personality thing where it's like, you really enjoy the game aspect and sometimes I'm just going to experiment and they're the same effects. The biggest thing the the cornerstone underneath that is that you don't die if you lose. That's the big, that's the big thing that connects us. 
and that goes back to fear and what you are, you know, what you are holding yourself to in terms of standards. Right. Cool. And and it sounds like you have. I always love when you see someone's stuff, and on the surface level, it looks great. But when you actually get to know someone or really dive into their expertise, they're always coming back to some idea, whether they're conscious of it or not. Like their success is dependent upon. They started figuring out these beliefs, and you talk about fear a lot, which is so interesting to me because it sounds like you hold that at a really high. Mm, you know, in, in your awareness, like you're, you, you probably hold that as a big pillar. Like you've, you've talked about it probably eight times today. So I want to dive into that just a little bit more, if that's cool. Where, when did you start becoming? Because you said you weren't born this way, and you wanted to have your wife support you, or you wanted to just sit at home and be a stay-at-home dad. At one point, that was like your your goal. You're like this would be cool. Yeah. And as you started chipping away things and maybe you got your first few clients. I think you had one thing where you had 9k of clients. You got three clients and then you guys were all pumped and then you realized yep. I need to now deliver on my promise and obviously the fear came up but you chose to walk through it whereas maybe some people would crumble and do a refund and I'm not good enough and I'll never do this. So what what do you think behind all that? You said you went through some trauma and some some hardship which I do think is the greatest gift people can have when they're growing up. But what, what do you think, what, like what made you go through it and stick with it up to this point? $5 million a month can't be, there's got to be issues and, and, and fears and stuff that's still coming up and that you're dealing with, but you just keep stepping into it. It's become a fun experiment for you. What, what, what can people do just <clears throat> to get past that? Because it pains me just as much as, as probably other people. I mean, have, have you ever taken a cold shower? Yeah, yeah, every morning. Uh, three years ago, I started doing that. So when you started it, you remember how hard it is to make yourself like, especially not now. It's probably like no big deal, but for that first week, you remember how hard it was to do it. Yeah, yeah, it was like ten seconds, and I turn it hot and pretend that I was tough, but I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like, man, would I rather die right now, or would I rather do a cold shower? Mm-hmm. It's biological. It's it's psychological. It's all of it's everything wrapped together. It's. Some would say spiritual. It's like, mm-hmm. I will do anything except for this right here. Um, getting yourself to move forward in life is very similar in that sometimes the only way to do it is to jump before you can figure it out. Because if you can figure it out, then you'll you'll rectify yourself back out of, you know, you'll justify everything. You'll justify I think of the person who's like, man, every year you're sitting down and you're promising the people you love this that next year is going to be different. And 2021 is my year. And then next year we're going to be 2022 is my year. 2023. And it's like at a certain point you just have to make yourself jump in the damn shower. Because if you keep doing math with yourself, you won't do it. Specifically for me, um, when I was getting into the business world, I kind of had this dream picture almost. It was like, I, I have a hunch that everybody goes through the same amount of, uh, you're allowed to cuss on this show? Yeah, yeah, hit it. Everybody goes through the same amount of shit in their life. Now, some hit it early and some hit it late and some, which is the worst possible, have it peppered all throughout. And I really want to make a decision here that I'm going to front load the pain in the business aspect to the first six, 12 months. So if you look at the first six months, it was, it was like, you know, being dismembered. It was 
denial, refunds, a uh, hundred no's, kicking out, kicked out of Facebook groups, uh, mentors who didn't want to train me. And it was just this thing after thing after thing after thing. I remember one night coming home, I just made a big Facebook post trying to get clients and I was, uh, I got threatened to get kicked out of the group and then like a hundred people had commented on it. No joke. It went viral and it was like the wrong kind of viral. Um, and I, and Lindsay was just like, what is, what is the matter? And I was like, I don't really know if this is worth what's happening. You know, like I'm not really sure. And that was like a light bulb moment where I was like, hell no, like I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again. But once I got through the first six months, I had the maturity of someone who had been in business for five years. And then we go through another year, another cycle. And we had been, we were sued inside of that first year. I mean, so we get through a year and I had the maturity of someone who had been in business for 10 years. And like your maturity has nothing to do with how much time you've put in. That's why it's, it's shocking to people that in 2014 net worth of negative 20, 2020 net worth of 50 million growing by a couple million a year. They, they can't understand yeah. that. It doesn't seem like there's been enough time, but it's not the time that builds a man. It's actually the pain and the toleration levels you're able to build. A lot of people live 10 years, but they have the maturity of a one year. Mm-hmm. And I did it the opposite. And I went through one year and I went through 10 years of pain. I would rather front load everything. When you do that, like you think of a person who's 75 years old, 80 years old. They don't have a lot that they're afraid of anymore. Their their regrets are more. You know, they wish that they could have spent more time with their family, and you know. But what, when it comes down to it, you can recognize the maturity of a, of a of an old saint because it's like they've done everything wrong and they've gotten they figured it out. I've been able to grab that through going through painful experiences, getting back in the cold shower, doing it again the next day, doing it again the next day, and then before you know it, it's like. You look at me now, I'm 31 years old, but I speak like a 50-year-old in the way that you know, I manage my emotions and my perspectives. I don't know if this is making sense. It's a long rant, a little bit of a ramble. Total sense, total sense. But man, that's where the fear thing comes from. It's like I spent 25 years living in fear. Then I went through everything I was afraid of. I was like, oh, let's go. Nothing killed me, you know? Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I guess you've made the connection to... Seek out the painful experience because I know what happens to the people who've who've had it babied. I, I know a few individuals who've just they've had it made, and they yep. get a no for a date, and it destroys them for five days. They just haven't built up yep. the freaking uh, to do it. And to every one of those people, or if you feel like your life has been like, I get it. Like, just keep stepping into it, and it just sounds like you've had an accelerated rate of success because you just chose over and over to say no and, and how embarrassing it is for mentors do it. to do say it anyways. no. Just keep doing it. Keep that's, doing it. That's, your, that's your barometer on maturity. If, if you want to give yourself a maturity test right now, a maturity test to define on a scale of 1 to 10 how mature you are in your life, ask yourself this question, how long can you do the right things without seeing the right re- rewards? How long can you do the right things without seeing the right rewards? Can you do it for 10 years? Or are you more of like a two month kind of guy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And based on that answer, you get mm-hmm. the maturity of an individual and you can project their level of success because a successful person will do the right thing for years if need be. Even if even you know, even if they're not harvesting everything right away, 
they can see their, their seeds going into the grounds and they can project it out. And that's what I've tried to build my life around. You, you mentioned the word spirituality. I think we said soul. We mentioned mindset. You've got your business over here. You got the sales. You got marketing. You got strategy. You got tactics. You've got X, Y, and Z, the how-to, the blueprints over here. And then you've got, however someone wants to call it, you've got soul work, God work, source work, universe work, mother nature, whatever you want to call it, mindset, um, quantum, whatever your definition of it. I think we all have a definition of God. We just, we, you know, I, I, I choose quantum and science because I like that approach. How important, like if you had to say which one is more important, I found entrepreneurship to force myself into spiritual growth because without it, I would have been stuck five years ago. Like there's, it, it just, it, you're almost thrown into this realm. Like you, you almost have to because you have to have faith. And if you've never experienced faith, at some point you need to just let go. And the second you let go, it just seems like things start happening for you. And I started experiencing that. And I'm like, dude, I can't ignore this stuff here. How, like which one, if, are, they, are they both? Or do you think so many people are obsessed with the gurus teaching them the tactics and then they, or do you think this is even important at all? Can you see massive success without the, we can call it mindset, but I want to go further than just the Tony Robbins stuff. It sounds like you enjoy that stuff too, but we go deeper into soul work or, or philosophy, let's just call it. And then you got tactics and business over here. Uh, I mean, the person who's healthy spiritually and mentally will, will crush um, anyone tactically oriented who does not pay attention to the way they think. Uh, it's not a, it's not even fair. It's you would feel sorry for the second person. It wouldn't even work. Yeah. They wouldn't get off the ground. If if the, if you try to compete with me now and you don't have a foundation of mental clarity and health, um, you know, I'll, I won't even buy your business. I'll just dis, dismantle just it. It's, it's not possible. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not. You look at Buffett and you look at. Um, Ray Dalio and just the the greats they invest a disproportionate amount of their thinking and their time into am I clear mm-hmm. you know as Grant would call it am I clear am I at the top of the spectrum spiritually um, for me you know spirituality is I don't think you can separate it and people who think you can it's not a it's not an issue of can you or can't you it's an issue of intelligence uh, the people who think that you can separate it, it's like, you know, sometimes when you're when your kid thinks that they can fly, it's like, well, it's an intelligence issue and an experience issue. And I think the same thing is true with like, can you really be successful without a s- spiritual component? Uh, somebody who answers yes to that question is unintelligent in the way that the mind interfaces with the body and the interfaces with energy. And it's like, man, some of this is just science. You know, spirituality is a science. Mm-hmm. So they're all the same at some point. Good, good. And I love how Does science... Does that make any sense? It makes total sense. And I love how... Because I was so skeptical for a long time because I grew up in a very religious family. And so because yeah. it was forced upon me, I pushed it away until I realized yeah. everything I was taught in Sunday school, whether you believe in the Bible or not, the teachings are sound in scientific research. And I love how science is bridging this gap that you can't ignore it anymore. And scientists can't yeah. ignore it anymore. Everything is literally connected. And I have just found those who are tapped into that. Everything they do seems to work. And if it doesn't, it, like, it's, they, they're in flow. And to me, that's yeah. been such an area of study for the last few years. And just like the heartbreak and the, the pain that I had to carry around all day long before is sort of not gone, but it's, 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 it's not suffering anymore. It's pain. It's not suffering. Yeah, 100%. Love that. 
So if, if people want to dig into a little bit of your, I know you guys have a podcast and if people want to dig in a little bit deeper, maybe on the, on the marketing, on the tactical side, or even on your guys' philosophies and, and all the work that you're doing on that front, where can people find you? I'll have the links below. So yeah, the marketing is just the Traffic and Funnels show. Um, people can go to trafficandfunnels.com uh, for a lot of those goodies. We have uh, the, the mindset stuff. It's dailymindmedicine.com. So that's new. That started in March Sweet. of this year. So needed. Um, yeah, so this is a daily three, four, five-minute podcast uh, that people can hop into. Um, wealthcapholdings.com is the real estate side of the business. Um, and yeah, it, on social, just Taylor A. Welch is the username. Anything people want to hop into. Oh, I was supposed to tell you about the new book too. Yes, that's right. Um, that's right. November 1st or so. Yep, the consultant next door. The link for that is trafficandfunnels.com slash 99 cents. 99 numbers, cents spelled out. Awesome. We, we create beautiful landing pages for all the guest episodes, so I'll definitely have the links on there. And I always make it really, really known if there's ever an affiliate or something that I have, I make it known. In this instance, I've been a customer of Traffic and Funnels. I bought products for the team. I've bought products even for some of our clients just be like, dig into this. So I've been uh, a customer. Don't get any affiliate links, but I do. They're quality top notch. You you can never go wrong on an investment if you search for I, Some people buy stuff and they're like, it was sucky. And I'm like, dude, there's gold in that. You just aren't searching for it. You're looking for a quick answer yeah. or like a nugget. You guys' stuff is solid. And I, I have no affiliate with the um, with you guys' new book coming out. So I, I, I do recommend, obviously I haven't read the new book. I will on the first. But I do recommend you guys check out the Traffic and Funnels website and their products. And final, final question. I ask everyone this. Although I feel like half the episode was around this. But... If you could leave or just talk to, you know, Taylor when he was 25 or 26 or just starting out on his journey and one, like, one belief that you just replace, it took no work. You could just snatch out one belief and put in a new one into your, into your operating system that you would just operate from. What do you think that one script or line of code would be? Uh, the pressure's off. Just have fun. Just have fun. Like you said, play the game. Play it's all going to be good. See it It'll experiment. all be good. Yep. Appreciate you, Taylor. Guys, check out all the links. Again, really appreciate your time. Love what you guys are doing, and I can't wait. Like In the next five years, dude, you can, you'll, you, 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 like, it's ridiculous. You guys are growing so fast. It, it, it pumps yeah. me up. It juices yeah, have, me up. Have me back. We'll come back on every year, and then we'll just document and chronicle. How yeah, about like that? Five million, ten million. It'll make me start feeling like... What, what the hell am I doing over here? I love it. I love it, though. I, I, I love surrounding myself, even if it's for an hour, with someone who's just got a whole elevated way of thinking. So I've learned so much from this. Truly hope that everyone listening has learned from it. And again, appreciate you, and we'll talk soon. Awesome. See ya. All right, so as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free, and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.